0: Our experiences are what define us. Everything in your life can teach you. We call these our defining moments. Now, join Debbie Montgomery Johnson and her featured guest as they help you stop hiding things in your life and instead learn to embrace them and stand proud. It's defining moments and it begins now. Here is your host, Debbie Montgomery Johnson.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Debbie Montgomery Johnson, and I'm here on Defining Moments with a wonderful guest. I'm so excited today to have a friend of mine, Miss Sharon Lecter from Arizona, here. Um, Sharon and I have known each other for uh, just a few years, and we don't spend a lot of time together. But she's just one of those women where you're in her presence and you feel like you're family. And I'm so delighted to have her here. She is an internationally recognized financial literacy expert. She's a keynote speaker, a New York Times bestselling author, a successful entrepreneur, philanthropist, CPA, mother, grandmother, some really fun titles. But she is, for me, a very passionate woman about financial literacy and teaching entrepreneurs how to be the very best they can be. She inspires people, she's inspired me, and many other women that I know, and I just want to say thank you, Sharon, for being here with me today.
2: Well, I'm delighted, Debbie, and I really appreciate the best part of the intro is the first part where you said it made you feel like family, and that's what we always try to do, so thank you for sharing that. Well, you do,
1: and it's funny, I'm coming to the audience today from South Florida, First part of December, and it's sunny and about 80 degrees, and I know you're a Florida girl, and uh, I am kind of feel like you're here with me as my Florida family.
2: Well, I love Florida. I grew up there, and uh, Florida State Seminole all the way. They just invited me to come back and speak to them um, in March next year, so uh, always, there's always a part of me that's uh, the Floridian at heart. Well, and I loved seeing
1: you a couple years ago up in Orlando uh, with your sister, and you uh, it's like you were back home and she was at home and it was really lovely having you up at the, actually you're at the Women's Prosperity Network Unconference and it was lots of fun with you there with Nancy Matthews and Trish Carr, another set of good friends of mine. So thank you. Incredible women.
2: Yes. And it's it's wonderful to see the number of women that have come together and just have joined to support each other and elevate all of us in, in the eyes of Really um, accomplishing each one of us have some missions to accomplish and support each other towards those goals.
1: Well, and I want to, to let everybody know that we, the reason you and I met a few years ago is that I was I had just joined the Women's Prosperity Network, and I'd heard about a program you had just started called the Dedicated Entrepreneur. Could you tell the folks a little bit about that was, and then I'm going to tell them what, what we ended up doing for me out there.
2: Well, absolutely. This was a program that um, my husband and I, Michael is an intellectual property attorney, and for many, many years, most of my promotion and um, was one to many, even millions, writing books or doing large events. And we said, you know, we really want to try something different. We want to try a very small environment where we bring in Um, Just like 30 businesses, 30 to end up coming closer to 40, but we really do a very intense think tank over a a a two-and-a-half-day period where we have the opportunity to bring in our team of experts and really work together and do laser focus rounds on each individual's business to give them ideas as to how to not only expand their business but things that they might want to tweak and change in the business. And most importantly to make sure they have the right foundation created for their business. So it really was something that it was an intensive look at those individual businesses. And I just I love the program and it's something that I you know, I'm I'm Hope that uh, what I'm hearing from you is that you got a great value out of it.
1: Oh, it was an amazing experience for me. It was the first time that I would actually gone out to speak about my company, which at the time we call it was the, titled Benfotiamine.net. And I remember the 90-second pitch we had to give to your what I call the Shark Tank group, and they couldn't pronounce Benfotiamine, and they told me to change it. And that was, a, that was a defining moment for me because that was a company that my husband had started. And when he died, I wasn't changing a thing. I still haven't even changed the voice message on our 800 number because Lou did such a great job. And I went back after I you know, had to listen to what everybody said over and over. And I'm thinking, how do I change Ben What do I call it? That's what it's called. And it took a leap of faith after probably a year to change the name to Benfo Complete, something somebody could think of. But it was because of you, and, and this. it was this the environment that we were in that was so uh, supportive. And they gave us such knowledge. You had some great panelists there from different organizations, and, and you had the accounting side and the marketing side, and it was stuff that I had never really seen before. And it was manageable. It wasn't too much information at once.
2: And And it was also I think individuals learned from um, you you obviously got a tremendous um, amount of information on your business while we were focusing on your business, but I would imagine you also had great aha moments listening to us talk to the other participants about their businesses, things that we recommended to them that you could then also apply in your own
1: it was actually better for me to hear what you said to them because I was listening. When you were talking to me, I think I was probably brain cramped because I'd heard so much information and I was trying to process it all at once and I couldn't. But when you, you analyze everybody else's businesses, that's where it was really genius for me and, and I was able to pick up so much information. But it was also the first time that I'd actually been around folks outside of Florida that were very successful business people. And the program you had was not just masterminding, but it was also a little bit of social where we were in your home, and the aha moment, the actually the defining moment for me of the whole weekend had nothing to do with my company, but we were standing in your living room. I was up on the little edge by the stairs, and we were just talking, talking as individuals, and you were talking about passion, And you have such passion for what you did. And I was thinking, I don't know if I have the passion for the company because it was loose. And what is my passion? And that's when the woman behind the smile came to my mind. I'd been hiding my story for all those years about being scammed online. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm here with Sharon Lecter, the financial wizard, and I've just given away a million dollars to a scammer and I'm hiding the story. So how am I going to bring that out? And I was like, you know what? There's my passion. And thank you so much for giving us that support to find out what our passion was. So this show is about you and your passion. And I know your passion is the financial literacy. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about your family. I love your family. And I love watching your family grow and, you know, your little great. Now you have a granddaughter. Is beautiful.
2: She's our miracle baby.
1: She's yeah, our beautiful. Da- our daughter
2: and her husband have been married for 13 years, and they tried for to have a baby, and they couldn't, and five years ago, they did in vitro, and it didn't take, but they had two frozen embryos, so last December, they implanted, it was kind of like the last year of viability, they implanted those, and none of us expected it to take, but on December, I think it was 14th, they came over and they got the news that she was pregnant. And we have a beautiful, beautiful little baby girl. That, she's uh, Anna- Annalise Gale, the joy and gift of God is what her name stands for. And she is just beautiful and such a miracle baby.
1: Well, she's lovely. And I love seeing pictures when she went to the ranch and all the things that you guys have done together as a family. So congratulations to Shelley and her family and, and to you and Michael for being extraordinary grandparents. And when you were a child, though, we're, we'll kind of go back to the Florida days. Did you like numbers? Did you like math when you were young?
2: Oh, yeah. I, was always, I always excelled at math. I love, you know, I'm, I'm one of those weird people that really liked math problems and algebra um, because I think our numbers tell a story, and I always like trying. You know, it's not the numbers that I love. I'd love to figure out what the what the story the numbers are telling. And that's the one biggest issue for most business owners is they ignore their numbers. They don't pay attention to their numbers. And when, if you can learn to understand what your numbers are telling you, then you can make small adjustments early on to keep your company going in the right direction.
1: Well, and you talk about numbers a lot, and with, uh, numbers and children. And I remember a story you told me about that your pay it family, uh, pay your family first. Can you tell a little bit about how that got started? And I think it had something to do with one of your sons.
2: Yes, yes. Well, early, early on, back in '92, um, our oldest son went off to college and came home three months later in credit card debt. So he'd had a really good fun first semester, but he got himself in trouble. And he came home and asked us to bail us out. And that was December of 1992. And that's really... I was was angry with him, but I was more angry with myself. I thought I'd taught him about money. I taught him what I had learned. And unfortunately, there weren't credit cards when I went off to college. And so when he went to college, there were... Um, this like gauntlet of tables welcoming welcoming him to campus. Here's some free pizza, free money, free T-shirt, free money, and so he just signed up and found himself um, you know underwater very quickly. And we didn't bail him out. It took him seven years to get out of debt, and you know had took him seven years to repair his credit. But he's now as adamant as I am, and is and is dedicated to supporting people creating financial freedom in their life. And But that December of 1992 is when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy, financial education. And fast forward a few years, I wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad and started that company with my partner. And... We were partners for 10 years, and then when I decided that we were no longer aligned, I left Rich Dad and started Pay Your Family First because I, it really allowed, it was a defining moment, to use your term, in my life when I realized I'd gotten off track on my initial purpose, and that was to continue creating affordable products to help people um, really take control of their financial lives and focusing on um, young people, on families, and entrepreneurs. And so um, pay your family first was a, is a reminder every day. That we're focusing on building your family's future.
1: And that's really important because especially today, I see so many yeah. of my friends that are bailing out their kids because we feel like we've got to be responsible for them and it's not teaching the kids how to budget or how to take care of their money I, I remember when my guys were little we'd go to the bank and I would use my ATM card and, and at one point when finances got a little tight the kids were like well just go to the bank mom use your card there's money I, you know that's a money tree behind that behind that wall and I'm thinking that's such a disservice to the kids and as a former banker it drives me crazy to see people use the ATM machine, and the ATM machine will let you overdraft, and then you get charged for fee after fee after fee, and that's so irresponsible on everyone's part. So thank you for doing that, and you're doing that globally. I, I just actually just googled you, uh, you and children, and I saw that you and Michael were in Ghana years ago teaching the kids over there. Could you talk a little bit about that and, and your global reach with this financial well, sir, program? Oh,
2: absolutely. We literally just came home from India and Bali. I've been to China several times. we have been been to Africa three times and always um, visiting orphanages or schools to teach the basics of financial literacy. And, um, you know, the, the one gift that gives the gift of a lifetime is financial education and we can give them food for a day or we can teach them how to create and um, the opportunity to feed themselves and their families and so it's important to me to continue doing that work and supporting people not just you know in Africa but everywhere it's something that it doesn't matter what language you speak or what your address is. We all want our children to be successful. And the greatest way for that to happen is to teach them about money, to teach, you know, at the end of the day, you're either a master of your money or a slave to it. And there's yet to find, have yet to find a country in, on the globe that is appropriately teaching the subject of self-sufficiency and money to their children.
1: Well, that's so true, and, and it's interesting because of the scam I went through. I've learned a lot about Nigeria and the 419 scammers, the advanced, fee advanced scams. And I was just told recently that there are universities in Nigeria that are actually teaching scams, how to be a scammer. And they are really good at it. And I was thinking if they could take what they know how to do and use it for good, it would be phenomenal because yeah. – they're just—they're so wanting to work and work hard, but it's so easy to take advantage of people and make a lot of money out of it. So I'm—I'm I'm glad that you're—you're you're out there teaching something for good, and we started well, and young. Not, and, it's,
2: and, and it's not going to go away. They're just going to get smarter. In fact, just earlier this week, I had a, a, a new one that actually made me laugh. It was, but it was so so smooth. It made me pause for a moment, and again, you just have to pay attention to what they're doing, you know, what the communication is, and where it's coming from. Somebody, you know, reached out to me wanting to give me money, and I have a five hundred one c three, and I'm looking at it, going, "This doesn't seem right." So, you know, you just have to pay attention, and you have to do your due diligence,
1: and you have to feel you have to take a. Lo- uh- what you feel in your gut. Listen to your gut, you know. Yep. Although I did I did say a lot of prayers about things before I did it and and there it's hard when you're you know you've got your your heart leading your head. Sometimes that's not a good thing and and unfortunately a lot of people are being taken for that. But I I honor you for the, for the work you're doing with the children of the world. And we're going to go to break in just a moment and I want you to come back and and tell us a little bit about what you did in India. I think you were there with Emily. I believe Emily was with you, and some other fabulous women that we know. And um, I think India would be an interesting place to be taking the financial financial word. My, my IT guys are from India, and I just heard about a huge scam over there of a, a call center that was pretending to be the IRS and had made billions of dollars out of Americans because they were calling Asking for money. So we'll be right back and we're going to to talk about Sharon's global mission and also how she uh, is preparing women to take on leadership positions in many places. So we'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
4: Relationship issues?
0: Are listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to Debbie at the Woman dot com. That's D E B B Y at the Woman dot com. Now, back to Defining Moments.
1: Thanks for coming back, everybody. We've had a great time with Sharon Lecter this morning, and we're talking about her global initiatives of financial literacy. And she's been in many, many countries, but recently was just in India. And Sharon, I would like you to tell us why you went to India, who you were with, and and what were you doing over there?
2: Well, I was invited over to India to um, headline an, an event for entrepreneurs in India to talk to them about... Building their business and being able to not only create a successful business, but to create a sustainable and scalable business, and understanding that you know business is a is the primary asset for many wealthy people um, around the globe, and so it was a real honor. My husband and I both went. We both spoke, and um, we had an opportunity to meet many young entrepreneurs in in India, and it was just wonderful. They're just so so keyed in. To what's happening? If you really look at the the global demographics, um, the many of our countries around the globe are have an aging population that's going to cause us a problem. We're not going to have enough people in the workforce to really take care of our aging population. So India's um, economy is the fastest growing economy, and will soon take over the the speed of of China's. And so you've got. Between India and Africa, and Africa is a very young population, those two economies um, are where we need to be. We need to make sure they're getting the education they need so that they can understand how to preserve that wealth and create it. And so it was a real opportunity for me to go to India to make the connections, meet people, and and really start sharing financial education to help them, support them to create sustainable businesses.
1: Do you see that the young people are actually being educated there and staying there, or are they wanting to leave and come to the states or other places? How, where do you see the kids in this whole thing?
2: Well, many, you know, the population there is just huge. So the mass, vast majority of them never leave India. But you know, if you think, of, if you look at the universities here in America, there's a tremendous number of of Indians who come to America to get educated. And some stay, but the vast majority of them go back. And so there's a, there's a, tr- a huge influx and outflux of the Indians within the U.S. and back into India. And so you've got um, – and, and India itself from an economic perspective has a huge
5: um,
2: dichotomy between those who have success and are working and those that are poor. And that's something that that country has to work on to make sure that they can take care of the human issues within India. But the the, the, the people there are eager to learn, um, voracious note-takers. So it was really interesting, always full of questions. And so it was a really wonderful experience, and people were very gracious and um, very thankful for us to be there. So it was really lovely.
1: Do you see the women taking on a leadership role in financial literacy over there?
2: Yes, but they, you know, it's still very behind where we are here. But mm-hmm. we had the opportunity to have a private meeting with a group of women entrepreneurs and one of their biggest issues is access to capital. But there is a, a growing movement there. Um several different organizations that I that I am in contact with. Um one is called the Wen where there is an organization of women supporting each other. And it's something that you know their government. They still have changes that need to be made. Um, there's still cultural issues that they are up against. But there's a growing movement and a growing need and a growing um, opportunity for women to truly create um, their own businesses and to create that wealth. But it's you know it's, they're a little behind us as it relates to women's rights.
1: Well, it's it's an interesting thing to look at. I remember when my my oldest son uh, was at the Naval Academy, and he did a little internship over in India. And actually, he'd gotten into a part of, of one of the big cities where he shouldn't have gone, and it scared him. And I'm talking a Marine Corps officer now. And it was the first time he'd really been scared in his life because he was in a very poor part of the city and was hadn't ever been around that kind of thing. And he said, Mom, I've never seen a place that was just so... So oh, I don't even have words for it. He's, the villages were were made out of out of metal, little metal pieces and and it was it was frightening for him and then I think it was an eye opener for him to see the disparity between the financial, you know, well-off and those that have nothing. And we don't really we have it here in the United States. I don't know that we see it as as much. It's certainly not brought to our attention very often.
2: Oh, uh, definitely. And it's not just India. I mean, the same thing in Africa. Anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, South America, Brazil, my husband and I have had the opportunity to you know, travel the globe. And you, you truly, that is the best way to truly appreciate America. We think there's poverty here. There's no poverty here in comparison to what we see in third world countries. And it's something that uh, it makes you very, very thankful for the rights and the opportunities that we have in America.
1: Which leads me to believe that perhaps we ought to have a two-year program outside of, you know, after high school that says, "Get out of the United States, go see what life is like outside of here, and then maybe come home and appreciate it."
2: It would certainly <laughs> open our young people's eyes, definitely.
1: It would. And speaking of high school, so you had an initiative in Arizona with financial literacy in high schools. Did you get that off the ground and into into uh, into law out there?
2: Yes, we had the law change that requires. Personal finance to be taught to high school students before they graduate from high school, and we're still we're still in that um, initiative. We're still moving forward and trying to get an entire separate class. But we did get the law passed so that it is required as part of their economics class that they take. So we're very proud of that, and we're supporting other people in other states who want that to happen. So you know we have to unless we start teaching our young people um, about money, they're going to not be prepared for the world they face.
1: Well, it's very difficult. I know my youngest right now is trying to find a job, and you know, he's had some hiccups in his, in his career, and it's very difficult to, to get out there. And I'm finding that you've been an extraordinary mentor for, for women and men, you know, entrepreneurs a little bit older. You've also got this initiative where you're trying to get teens to do to become entrepreneurs. How are you doing that?
2: Yes, well, I have a game called Thrive Time, For Teens, T-H-R-I-V-E, Thrive Time for Teens. It's available on Amazon or through my website, SharonLector.com. And it really opens teens' eyes to the world of the fact that their choices um, determine their future. You You and I are where we are today because of the choices that we've made before today. And if we want something different in our life, we need to make different choices. Wouldn't it be wonderful for our young people to understand that and have consequences with play money before they get into the real world? And so the game was designed for them to face those kinds of issues in their lives in a very safe environment with play money. And it's got a lot of humor in it, so they have fun playing it, and it really helps educate them not just about money but about choices and understanding that when you make choices, you face the consequences.
1: And I have a a nephew who is just about, I think he's about 24 credits short of graduating from college. And he is an entrepreneur and looking to start a little business right now. And he's gotten to the point where he said, Aunt Deb, I don't want to go to school anymore because they're not teaching me what I need to know and it's a waste of my time. And of course, my initial was like, "Ah, don't run away from school, you're almost done. But part of me can understand that if he, if our if our youth are really out there in the business world and learning from entrepreneurs, learning how to do things hands-on, then maybe the school environment's not the best place for them right now. But I did encourage well, my, my nephew to uh, to continue school at some point because it will be important.
2: You well, think? statistics show that the college education still, in the long run, will support him financially over his life livelihood, but the problem that we have is that the educational system is, you know, it takes 50 years for things to change, and the young people today are so smart, and they they like things in bite size. They don't like to be, have to wait to get something, and so for the way that our educational system is structured, having to sit through classes five days a week or, you know, several hours a couple times a week, and, you know, wait for the time to pass so get to the gets of the final you know they want to just kind of plow into it learn it take the test and be done with it and um, the system doesn't support that so there's there's that uh, um anxiousness and that speed for n- next step that is is getting frustrated by the educational process but in the long run he should continue building his little business and keep it going and get that education as well
1: well, that's what his parents certainly suggested to him, as did grandparents and great grandparents. But that's one of those things he'll probably learn for himself, uh, as we all have at at certain pines. But my husband's company—he's in a construction. He's he's uh, an underground utility contractor. He's finding that the young folks coming into his company—the the engineers, the millennials—they have a whole different way of looking at at business and looking at their day. They're not in there. At, five o'clock six, o'clock, six o'clock in the morning and working until six, you know, they're, they go in at eight or eight 30, they get their job done. And they do, like you said, they're doing things so much quicker than those of us who are a little bit older. And that may be good, but it may not be good too. What do you think?
2: Well, are we, are you know, the, again, as part of the whole, Changing demographics, I talk to business owners all the time. by twenty, twenty five, seventy five percent of the workforce will be millennials. and they just work differently than we do. So, as business owners, if we don't adjust and understand that we have to um, support them in how they work um, and make some adjustments, you know the eight to five cardinal sin rule, it doesn't work with millennials. The issue is they want to they still want to feel like they, own their own space they own their own they would would, 85 percent of them want to own their own businesses so if you are an employer of millennials let them feel some ownership understand that you can't tell them they have to leave their phone at the door and they can't access their phone for eight hours you have to come up with rules that they will they will buy into as long as they feel respected and that's part of it is understanding that times have changed and if you want loyalty you're going to need to look at what their needs are to keep them and make them feel ownership. Or, as I tell them, install a revolving door at your front door.
1: Uh, there you go. And it comes down to communication and learning how to speak with them. And I, I was talking to my husband, and I said, maybe, you know, your HR folks, they really need to have some leadership classes for the top guys in the company and the guys that are coming up because you need to grow the next generation. You guys are in your mid-50s, early 60s. You're not going to be around for a long time. You know, forever. And you need to grow that base, which, again, we're not prepared to do that. Or maybe we are. I don't know. We're, we're all learning. So, but you've, t- you've, for me, you've been the epitome of a, a loving mentor, but you hold people accountable. And when you did Think and Grow Rich for Women, and you've gotten involved in the Napoleon Hill. Organization, what was that defining moment? What was that aha moment for you that says, "I want to do this for women, and really prepare them to take on positions as entrepreneurs, boardroom, you know, leaders and leaders in civic organizations." What drove you to that point to do think and grow rich for women?
2: Well, great question. I appreciate that one because it really was for most of my career. Um, I shunned doing something specifically for women because I started my career when there were very few women in business, and you just had I had to accept the fact that I had to work harder to get ahead than the men that I was competing against. But and I still believe the rules of success are the same for men and women. But I started getting frustrated at um, the women who were out there just criticizing and, and just constantly complaining about the men that were in their way, and I say, you know, we've come a long way. We have a lot a lot farther to go, no doubt about it, but we have made progress, and let's start celebrating the progress. with change the the dialogue from negativity and Napoleon Hill, the law of attraction. You know, if we're out there complaining and criticizing, what are we attract, attracting? A negative response. So let's go out and highlight those men that are supportive of women. Let's celebrate the progress that has been made, and maybe we'll start attracting people who are interested to help us make more progress. And so that combined with the increased amount of media on this work-life balance issue, which I don't believe exists. You know, we, each and every one of us, have a multifaceted life. We have our spiritual life. We have our physical life. We have our financial life. We have our family life. We have our personal life. All of those things come together to create who we are, and women, in particular, you know, get drawn into this work-life balance, and so they're afraid if they don't spend enough time with their kids today, the next day they're spending the whole day feeling guilty. And so this is crazy. Stop it. Allow yourself to know that the choices you're making today. If you don't feel good about the choices you made today, make different choices tomorrow. But don't start flogging yourself about this work-life balance. You are everything about you combined. You are all of it. You're one big life. And so I followed the same format of the original book, followed the same chapter outline, looking at the steps to success through the eyes of successful women. Even though the steps are the same, we tend to approach them differently. And so Think and Grow Rich for Women honors and really, really highlights the information provided by napoleon hill in the book thinking Grow rich but we look at it through the eyes of successful women because when that book came out in 1937 there were no women in business and so i wanted to give it that 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 flavor and then the last chapter is what i added called one big life to address that work-life balance and i really recommend everybody get it you know i've had we've highlighted highlight over 300 women in the book And it's something that I can, if you don't relate to this particular story, the next one might hit you between the eyes.
1: Well, it was a beautiful book, and I've read it multiple times along with Three Feet from Gold which, and Outwitting the Devil. Someone mentioned to me the other day that was, that book scared them, and I'm like, well, read it again because it is so true for what's happening today. So, Sharon, we need to go to a short commercial break, and then we'll be back, and we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness and maybe some of our financial foibles that we've had over the years and how we look at failures and use them as stepping stones. So thanks for being with us. We'll be right back, everybody.
0: are listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at com. Now, back to Defining Moments.
1: Thank you so much for coming back to be with me and my my guest, my special guest, Ms. Sharon Lecter. We've been talking about family. We've been talking about leadership positions. We've been talking about Think and Grow Rich for Women, one of my favorite books. And there is a part of our lives where, you know, sometimes we goof. Sometimes we make some mistakes and sometimes we, they're big, sometimes they're little. But for me, they've always been a stepping stone. And financial foibles or financial failures uh, can be devastating. I know in my situation, I... Was well, if you go back to my first story, my our first episode talks about my story where I was my heart led my head in an online dating romance, and I'm not the only one. It turns out I've been able to speak with many, many women in the last few years who have been taken as I was, and there is a science to the scammers and the science to what they do, and I'm just learning those things. I'm learning through uh, an organization called Scars down in, Fort, in Miami area, and I'm, I would like to be an advocate for those that are are looking to come out of the failure, looking to move forward in their lives, and it's tough, but I know that everybody's made some financial oops in their lives, and, and I Sharon mentioned at the very beginning when she uh, was talking about her son going off to college that he blew through his credit card and had to suffer the consequences of it for about seven years, but, Miss Sharon, have you ever had any uh, financial foibles in your life that you wouldn't mind sharing and saying, and telling us how you got out of it?
2: Well, I think, you know, we all walk through life um, and things are not always perfect. Um, I probably could name quite a few different uh, financial foibles from when I teach people about financial credit uh, credit cards, I tell them I've never paid a penny in interest and then a couple of years ago, I signed up for a card on the plane, didn't realize the interest started from the moment you charged something, so now I have to say 11 cents of interest i paid, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's on the funnier side, but you know, just this year, my husband and I had to write off an investment that we had was close to a million dollars in the company that was fantastic technology that we did all of our due diligence, We, you know, my husband was on the board of the company, and... Um, it had every opportunity. It was really an incredible advance in, in alternator technology. And, and yet, you know, not, we weren't part of the management, so we couldn't control the management decisions of the company. And so, you know, you, you sit there and you go, well, next, every company, every investment you have, you, you do your due diligence and you do everything, but we're now looking at a you know, a six to $700,000 loss as a result of an investment we made that we truly believed in. So those are things that happen, but it's like you just say next, because the next one, you know, may be a huge win. So part of it is every loss is a learning opportunity. So it's not a mistake, it's a learning opportunity. And the issue is, will you put yourself on a line to the point where if that branch breaks, it ruins you, or you can catch yourself? And so that's, you know, when I talk to people about their finances, you know, if you do this, if you make this choice, will you be able to sleep at night? Because people have different risk tolerances, and it's important to understand those. But, you know, making investments and having winners and having losers is all part of the investment game. And so um, you do your best, but not always are you in total control. And that's, that word control is one I think that comes into play a little too often.
1: And we need those opportunities for growth because if everything goes right, you know we're living in in la la land at that point because that's not real life. We all experience something that's going to, you know, throw us back a step. But as you said, it's it's how you take the next step and how you take yourself out of that hole and move forward. And again, we're so blessed in, in the United States to have so many opportunities to try new things, to, to get out of the hole, to, to try a, you know, to be an entrepreneur in some other way. How many entrepreneurs, this is a crazy question, how many entrepreneurs are you working with currently? And what do you see, where do you see us going as a, as a, as a nation economically? Where do you see us moving towards? You know, our, our I'm just going to leave that open to you. Where do you see us going financially?
2: Well, entrepreneurship is what got us out of the Great Depression And entrepreneurship is the only way to really have total control of your financial future. But you need to do your homework and you need to do it right. And I work with entrepreneurs on very different, on many different platforms, Debbie, so I I could say I work with thousands. I work with a handful um, as a master mentor where I step into the business and support them, and that's under 20 then I have a program online called The Essential Components of a Successful Business, which allows me to work one-on-one with people but through an online platform. So they have access to me through a Facebook page or through monthly calls, but it's not as expensive as our one-on-one mentoring. And that program is an in-depth, almost MBA in building a business called The Essential Components of a Successful Business. And you can find more information about that through SharonLecter.com. It's an in-depth program of every element that you need to make sure you have, and how you can exp- and build a, a business that will last, one that you can scale, one that you can sell. And so that program is something we're very proud of. We just launched that earlier this year, and then we also have, obviously, the you know that I speak around the world. So I speak to hundreds, thousands of people around the globe on entrepreneurship, and do masterminds with them, um, a you know, full-day program to them about their individual businesses, we'd have people come to us and we take them up to our ranch to do intensive um, mentoring with them as well. So um, we, we do all kinds of different mentoring programs and you can access more information by emailing me at info at Sharon Lecter if you're interested.
1: Are you living your dream life right now? Yes. <laughs> what, would you, what would you add to it? If you could, what would be an additional part of your dream?
2: Well, that's um, an interesting question, Debbie, because um, I love, you know, I love my family. So I guess it would be more time with my family and my grandchildren. And you've got two little boys, are there two boys, two little boys, three? Uh, No, I, well, I I have, um, we lost our youngest son. We have two children, both are married. And our oldest son, um, we have two grandsons with, and our daughter, we have um, a step granddaughter and then a, a, the brand new baby that just. The baby. Us. Yeah.
1: The, so, uh, so, talking about the ranch a little bit, I've only seen pictures. It looks absolutely beautiful. How do the kids like being uh, out, oh, on, out on the ranch? Oh, they love it.
2: Our grandson keeps telling us, so this is going to be mine one day, right, Grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no, com- with that comes a lot of work. Be- <laughs> there's a lot of work to the ranch. Well, it's a business. We it's a ca- operating cattle ranch and a guest ranch. And in fact, uh, right before we got on the line, we have somebody that's just um, reserved it to come film a commercial there. It's a little piece of um, America history. It's called. For you can check it out at cherrycreeklodge.com. dot com. It's a little piece of heaven, but uh, it's a great place for take your family. Um, you can go horseback riding. You can go shooting. You can go fishing. Um, where you can relax on a beautiful deck and have a glass of wine. So it's that a little bit of everything.
1: Well, there's your little bit of heaven right there. That's that's her dream. Well, you've uh, for me, you've been such an inspiration of the many many things that you've done uh, throughout your life, and I'm I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I had to spend out with dedicated entrepreneur and some of the um, what well, you had the the book program. I'm having a brain cramp on that.
2: Well, my I'm delighted that. Uh, We have had this opportunity to to get to know each other, and I'm very proud. I I smile every time I see the progress that you've made and all the awards you've won and the fact that you have this radio show. Congratulations. It's wonderful, and that you're impacting other people as well.
1: Well, I'm trying to take one day at a time, and that's what I found is that as women, and I see this with men too, but primarily the women, and we put up that smile, On our face, we put up the mask and pretend that everything is fine, no matter what. As a mom, as a businesswoman, as a daughter, as whatever we're doing, we want things to look perfect to the world. And so we pretend in many ways that things are good, and on the inside, we might be falling apart. And that happened to me, and I think it's probably happened to all of us at one point in our lives where something just tragic has happened and then people come in and say, "Well, you're a strong woman, you can do this, you can get through this. And at some point you want to say, I don't want to be strong anymore. you know And you just keep going. But when I found out that there are so many women out there that are just like we are that are putting up that smile but are hurting on the other side, they need a hand to hold on to. They need that support in in their lives in their loves, in their businesses and what in whatever, of their life, the spiritual life, whatever, they need someone there to be with them. And I love, I, I was interviewing Nancy Matthews, who's a mutual friend of ours, and Nancy wrote the book, The One Philosophy, and I love The One Philosophy because I feel like you and I and Nancy, we, we live The One Philosophy where we try to be there to be the one for somebody else in our lives, in their lives, and if we live each day being the one by listening, by being kind, by being helpful, and, and not, she, I love it when she says not gossiping. Uh, that's natural man's tendency is to want to talk about other people and, and look down on them. And when you look at the news, if you do look at the news, I try not to, how do you feel our our world is going by what, we, what, what we're what we seeing? I know it's not the true world, but how do you feel that, that the reflection of, of uh, the world on the media is, is affecting us it's and our very kids scary.
2: it's very scary and i will tell you um, it's you know a scarier day by day for for me and i think it, it just highlights the importance that we not to rely on a on a government or an employer for your future to take contra- control of yourself and and make sure that you have what you need to um, to take care of yourself because that's that's part of the problem that we have as individuals. We rely on other people too much, and what's happening in the world should wake us all up to the fact that we have the need to pay attention and to see you know what we can do to um, move ourselves forward and not rely on other people. And everybody, it, what you're saying is tr- so true. I mean, um, I don't often share this, but even since you've known me, we lost our youngest son. And so you can say, all right, my life is over. I'm not going to do anything. And that's where you want to do. You want to say, I just can't get out of bed in the morning. And then you have to say, think about, you know, is this, what, is this the life that I'm supposed to be leading? Am I supposed to be hiding under the covers? Or is there more for me to do? And so think about asking yourself, what is your purpose on life? You know, are you, um, are, do you have a false facade or are you ready to take action and be open to ask, what is my responsibility? What is my purpose on life? And determine that your purpose on life is what's going to continue driving you.
1: Well, and I, want, I want to thank you for being such a terrific mom and, and thank your son for his service. He was in the Marine Corps at, for a time, and, and I can't imagine losing a child. I know it was, you know, I've miscarried multiple times, and I know that loss, but to have a, a grown child, I, I tell my boys when they're out flying, you know, I lost Lou seven years ago. I said, Dad's with you. He's protecting you, and if something happens, you'll be with him. Um, but I said, you don't have to tell me what you're doing. You don't have to tell me the missions that you're on and and the things that you're doing for our country. I'm so proud of what they've done and and the service they give to the country, but there's a, there's a, there's a chance that, you know, we're not going to have tomorrow. It doesn't matter who we are. And that's so important to live our life as best we can each day because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I thank you so much, Ms. Sharon, for, for, again, everything you're doing around the globe. For the things that you've done for me personally, as an entrepreneur, I'm I'm not at the top where I want to be yet, but I'm getting there, and I'm definitely braver than I was two years ago when I first got to Arizona. And I thank you for that. I thank you for Thinking Grow Rich for women, and and it's a marvelous book for those women that are looking to, to find out how others have done it. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And no. that's for sure. <laughs> We need to learn from from entrepreneurs, from leaders like Sharon and Michael and the, the folks that they have in their circle. I'm thankful for that. And I just want to take a couple of minutes here. Thank uh, Again, Sharon, thank you so much for spending time with us and for being on my show, Defining Moments. This is a show that I, I actually won from a speak-off at the California Women's Conference last year, and it's been an incredible opportunity for me to entertain guests uh, who've given up their defining moments, who have shared stories that they might have wanted to keep quiet. But each of us learns how to stand up in our power and by sharing our lives with others. Not only do we grow, but they do also. And that's so important for me because we're going to lead the way by being vulnerable and being kind, being educated and articulate, and doing those things that the world needs for us to do. Because we are better than what we see on TV. We are better than what is being reflected out there in life. And I think folks lose track of that sometimes. They lose track of why they're here, their purpose in their life, their life's mission. And thank you, Sharon, for your time today. Thank you for being a great grandma. And I I wish you many, many joyous times over the holidays with the kids and with your husband. And thank you for the literacy programs you're providing around the, around the globe. I hope that every state picks up the high school program. I think our children really need that and you're doing such a service for them. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you, my dear. And again, I'm very proud of what you're doing and um, I'm here to support you all the way. So thank you so much. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you.
1: Well, I appreciate it. And we will see you another time, maybe back here in Florida and listeners. Thank you so much for being here with us. I would love for you to go back and and listen to the other Defining Moments and check out my website, The Woman Behind the Smile. There's more to come as we go forward. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to Defining Moments. Be sure to join Debbie Montgomery Johnson for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Find your power this week.